This podcast is for grown-ups only. Some of the content may not be appropriate for little ears like mine. I'm just here for the mural. I only come down here to stare at the mural. It's good. A good police officer should not be a violent person, but they should be be capable of unspeakable violence. Welcome to Diakonos, the Cops Calling. I'm your host, Anthony Weaver, and my better half is on this episode. Hello, world. I'm back. <laughs> Uh, Lauren Weaver, she's here with me, the one and only. So I, I was very excited about this, but I think people need to appreciate how difficult this is for you to do. So why, why is it so difficult for you to do? Um, I'm pretty introverted. So even though there's no one here, the thought of anyone ever listening to me talk under any circumstances makes me super nervous. So you have a voice of an angel. I'm pretty much here against my will, people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just here for the mural. I only come down here to stare at the mural. It's good. That's uh <laughs> I don't even know what to what to say to that. Most of the things I want to say to that are probably inappropriate to put on the podcast. But I am glad uh you are you are here with me because I have heard one of the biggest mistakes from the very first episode was how long it took for you to be really on the episode. I mean, at the very beginning, you you were kind of, yeah, you know, you said a couple things, but pretty much then it was just me and my diatribe for the next like <laughs> hour. It was a good diatribe, people. I liked it. But until you, you got on it, um, you know, people were like, you know, why did we have to wait to the very end to hear... Lauren and I was like, that is that's a that's valid point. That's sweet though, yeah. Yeah, that's a valid point. So I'm glad you're on. I think I feel like even right now we're just a little more relaxed than we were the very first episode. The very first episode, I think we had so much mm. I felt like we had so much to say, so much to get out there. Yeah. Because I really wanted to lay, you know, the basis for the show and the goals and about the logo and and what was going yes. on in my head. And I think it was, uh, it was just like a vomit of information that I probably could have split up into multiple shows. I think, you know, we did the best we could do, like brand new. And yeah, there was a lot of ground to cover. So right. I wasn't offended, but I appreciate the feedback. It's really sweet. Yeah, we did. We got, we got a lot of feedback about that show and, and um, we got a lot of good positive feedback yes. too. Yes. Uh, even though we felt like it was pretty, uh, I don't know. I got done with that show, and when I edited it, I was like, "I do I really want to put this out to people?" Because <laughs> I just felt like it wasn't that good. And then you know, and then certain times I'd be like, "Yeah, it's it's decent," you know. And basically, it just came down to, "Well, it is what it is." I said I'm yep. launching the episode on this date, so here it goes. There it goes. And uh, it's actually it was met with you know a decent amount of um, good comments and and things. We haven't. We haven't had any haters yet. Well, you did admonish people to follow their mom's advice also and 
pretty much say nothing if you can't say not something nice. So yeah, but that's just like a podcaster <laughs> thing because there's just like these weird like algorithms on iTunes and yeah. stuff. And it's been good. Yeah, it's been so good. So that probably means that we we just aren't big enough yet. Once I get outside the circle of friends, sharing it with friends, and then you get the haters. Maybe maybe then. We could do an episode where I just read like mean tweets, <laughs> yeah. mean Facebook messages. Yes. Uh, I'm know. not, I'm not going to be on that episode. Just so you know. Why not? I, I don't know. It doesn't sound fun. I think it would be hilarious to read the mean things people say to you. <laughs> You'll be laughing. I'll be crying. <laughs> I'll be blowing my nose in the background. Oh, I don't know about that, but I, I can deal. Anyways, we're in episode six. This is episode six. I thought it's about amazing. like hitting the applause button, but then I realized we'd be applausing for ourselves. <laughs> Yay, us. Um, but yeah, I uh, episode six, do you know uh, how many episodes, th- they call it podcast fade. Do you know how many episodes that usually happens in? I have no idea. Seven. Wow. So this is it, folks. This is our last episode. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so proud of you. I, when I realized that you were serious about this whole podcast thing, after the initial shock wore off, and I was like, "Oh no, he's he's serious. He's going to do this." I, I am. I'm proud of you. Like I wanted to at that point and now wanted to support you as much as I could and in any way that I could. I just didn't realize it was going to be such hands-on support that you were looking for, but I'm here. I'm, 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 uh, I'm getting there. Well, I think I, you know, like I said to you earlier, it, it's one thing to have me on the podcast and saying stuff. I think it's another to have the perspective of you as my wife. And also you just bring like a level of, uh, you know, gentleness and kindness. I think, although you you are quite the little patriot sometimes. So sometimes I got, I sometimes I have to calm you down. But sometimes um, I will. You know, generally speaking, I think you you generally you just have a nice way about you. And sometimes when I say things, uh, what I what I mean to say, it doesn't come across like that. And so it's nice to have you here, being like, I think what he means to say, or just kind of helping on the back end uh, yeah. for those people that are raging. Although again, like I, we haven't encountered any no, haters not, yet. Not so. yet, not yet. But no, I think it's just. I think that's just a um, benefit of marriage for us. Like we, we, uh, we, we complete each other. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. We we fill in f- for each other where the other is is weaker or stronger. Vice what versa. movie is that from? You complete you me. You complete me. Um, oh, uh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good job. Let's go play trivia. Uh, no, I'm terrible at trivia. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I did push you a little bit to come back on to this episode. And I think you'll be on other episodes. We have, we have some things coming up. I don't want to get into details, but uh, we do have some stuff that we're planning out a little bit and uh, that I'm excited about. We really aren't done. This isn't our final episode, just in case anyone <laughs> is wondering. Uh we, it is, I will tell you, I, I have been surprised a little bit by, not surprised by the amount of work, 
but it, mm. it there's definitely yeah. a rhythm that you need to keep in order yes. to like put one out every every week and so when I say I'm retired, yes, I'm retired from law enforcement, but I'm working full time. And for those that don't know, I work at a retail store. So I went from law enforcement to retail store. The name of the store is Ellicott and Company. Nice store. It's a very Super nice, nice store. store. It's uh, the, it, a curator of uncommon goods. It's such a good description for the store. Yeah. It's such a great store. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's a men's store. It's a quintessential men's store, but a little bit of any everything in there for anyone. Yeah. And uh, so I'm putting a little plug in for it. <laughs> I manage the store. Basically, I manage myself. I'm the the sole employee, <laughs> and I have a couple of very part timers that I have fill in when I need off. But um, yeah, it's great. The owners are great. Um, they were friend. They're they're friends of mine. Um, and and the opportunity. Um you know, came up for me to, to take that position. And, uh, I did, and it's been, it's been great because it's, it's just awesome. given me like the mental capacity to also work on this, um, you know, help them out and try to, you know, build that business and get after it. But it's a great store. Look us up online, ellicott.co. Just type it in. And it'll, it'll come up. So there's my little plug for what I do. So that's my full-time job. And I'm also helping to co-teach a um, college class at Lancaster Bible College, uh, ethics and criminal justice. And that, I mean, that's only one morning a week, uh, but there is some prep involved with that. And I do, I do like that. Uh, but yeah, so between all that, trying to balance mm. all that, it's, yeah, it's no joke. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm staying, I'm staying busy. I'm no less busy than when I, than I work. Although my schedule I, is a lot more consistent, which I really like. And I, I think you like too. Yeah, it's been good. It's a good, it's been a good change. Yeah. So um, we want to go in a couple, I don't want to say a couple directions. The main thing we want to do on this episode is we want to break down an article that I recently put out on Facebook. Um, so we'll get that to that here in a little bit. Um, the other thing is we, I kind of wanted to just, you know, we've had some episodes, we've heard, you know, some people uh, have said that, you know, they're pretty heavy, uh, because I've interviewed cops and, you know, the stories we tell are a little heavy and stuff, which has actually surprised me a little bit because I was telling you that I've actually kind of felt like maybe they're a little vanilla. Mm. Um, but we've heard, I've, I've had some people tell me they just need to be in the right frame of mind to listen to them. Right. Um, and things of that nature. And so here's the thing like i don't i don't want to be creating a podcast that's difficult to listen to because it's so heavy but at the same time you know one of the goals is just to have people better understand what officers are going through day day in and day out and i don't want i don't want people to feel bad for the police like i don't i don't want people to feel bad for me i think in in uh the the famous detective gary lowe's episode <laughs> uh who people I get a lot of comments about that episode and I I hear through the grapevine that he might have a little bit of a fan club which people (laughs) he does not need a fan club okay I'll just put it that way but uh he you know he mentioned his episode like I don't want people to feel sorry for me and and I sarcastically said yes please don't feel sorry for him but in all honesty it isn't to I don't want people to feel sorry for for the for the police like we the guys and gals that have answered the call 
you know, they made a decision to get into that and, and, um, I made a decision to get into it. Uh, but I do want to help people understand it. So right. I, you know, the heaviness of it. Yeah. I, I was just kind of surprised by that. Did yeah. you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I remember you cause pretty early on, um, you know, I think we got, we got some of that feedback and yeah, pr- what, probably within the first two, three episodes, people, people were starting to talk about it, it was, you know, we, we heard some of that, some of that feedback and you were like, I feel like it's been pretty vanilla. And I think I can see it f- kind of from both perspectives. Um, like it, there are parts where I'll listen and it feels like I'm, I'm reliving that, that time with you, you know, whatever that was that, that comes up or you talk about. So it can, it can kind of, you know, and I think if for, for like a, a spouse or, you know, I think we, yeah, we kind of go there again. And so it can kind of be kind of heavy. I've heard some of that, you know, too, from okay. like police, like family spouses. Um, and from, I think from a, your average cop's perspective, like you guys, you guys just do a really good job for the most part, maybe too, maybe you do too well, like just, just shelving things, like just putting it away, you know, deal with it later someday, maybe. Um, and you just, you just drive on. So I think you get, and you see so many, you see so many sad things, so many bad things, so many terrible things. And so you just, it becomes commonplace. It becomes, you know, just, it's just another day at work. And, and, and so I think as, you know, the, as your wife, like I kind of got used to hearing those kinds of things too. So on, on the one hand, I can see what you're saying. Like, this is just police work. Like this is just another day at the office, but it's not normal for most people to like, that's any single one of these traumatic things that have come up is, could be like a hallmark of someone's life or not, not a hallmark, but like a, you know, it's, it's, it's a a huge, yeah. Like it's these huge events in a person's life that are usually bad because you're there um you know but it's just another day at work for you so yeah so it's it is it's it's really weird you can kind of see see where people are coming from like from the from a civilian perspective and i can kind of see where you're coming from because you know i lived through those things with you um second on a secondhand kind of experience yeah and i thought uh you know in the in uh the episode just last uh last week Lieutenant Glenn Stoltzfus's episode, he was talking about how it wasn't lost on him that just even sitting down mm-hmm. and talking mm-hmm. was was like kind of not therapy, but a way for yeah. officers that are coming in to get stuff off their chest. And it doesn't escape me either that sitting down and talking to another officer kind of unloads some of that stuff and and you know make sense of it. Um, and also. It's not lost on me that what I believe I've been called to by God to to do this podcast and and to put forth, you know, push back against the narrative and also to share the hope that we have in Christ. Um, I also think probably in there it it subconsciously or maybe consciously is a way for me to just stay connected mm-hmm. to a community of people um, and a profession that I really loved and and still have like contact with them, you know, because. Yeah. I think if I wasn't doing this and I was only just working at the store, I don't, I think maybe I'd be struggling a little bit because I really miss the guys. Like right. I miss them so much. I don't miss the work, yeah. but I do miss the camaraderie of, of working with guys. Yes. Like that. I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's been cool. I think it's helped you transition out because you have, 
you've kind of kept the best of that world. Like you've kept the relationships um, and, and you're doing something good and helpful. And, and, you know, we're so pleased that the feedback we've gotten so far has been, you know, positive from that community too. Like they've, we've heard, you know, from some friends that it's, we're saying things that maybe they feel like they can't say yet because they're still in the middle of it or or don't know how to say or or don't want to say or can't, you know? So it's like, that's, that's the point where I'm so, so thankful for that. Yeah. Some of the best compliments I've gotten are from uh, officers on the job um, that I know, or even that I don't know that have reached out to me and, and, uh, you know, complimented or encouraged me. So that's been huge because when I, started telling people that I was doing this. I, I mean, there were guys I worked with who legitimately thought I was losing my mind. And I wasn't quite sure if I wasn't losing it myself. But but yeah, so, you know, when I told some people at work, and I saw the expressions, and I got mm-hmm. the reactions that I got from them. Um, it was it was actually hard to tell some of those guys, yeah. because I knew that the reaction I would get like, what are what on earth are you doing? Um, and you know, there's still moments like that where I feel like what on earth am I doing? But I have gotten a lot of good feedback from, from, you know, some, some guys I know on the, on the job. So that's been, those are, those have been some of the best compliments I've gotten actually. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm proud of you, babe. You've been fulfilling your, your mission, the mission of this podcast already. You're promoting, you know, law enforcement, um, helping people tell their stories and, um, and, and, you know, we've also had so much good feedback from people who are like, I had no idea, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that this was part of the job or that, you know, this happened last summer or whatever. Like we've, it's, it's been good. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. See, this is, this is why I have you on. <laughs> so you can just like encourage <laughs> me the whole leader. way through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's nice. Thank you. Um, the other thing we've heard is like the cop humor, a mm. bit dark at times. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Welcome welcome to uh law enforcement. Yeah. And I will tell you the humor you hear on our episodes is maybe a quarter of the darkness that it can be, you know, the the humor that Yeah. we we have at times. You have um, to survive. You have to you have to get through the horrors that you're seeing every day and you have to you have to stay sane and it's right. It's a way to cope. It's a way to survive and move yeah. on. I mean, cops, yeah, they just have a dark sense of humor. So I, you know, bring it. I bring some of that to the episode. Some of my guests have brought that to the episode. And, um, you know, even, even at times when we bring it, I'll have to backtrack a little bit and be like, just so you know, you know, we're not laughing. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, again, good. in Lieutenant Stoltzfus's episode, you know, we were talking about that, right. that incident where the guy was shot in the head. He was laying in the kitchen and I'm like, oh, I mean, you ever seen a guy with a hole in his head? <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and then I realized, oh uh, yeah, that, that's not something you would joke about. Right. It's shocking with, to the average person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think it's good. I think it's good that you aren't like covering up who you are, you know, who you, who you ha- kind of have to be as a cop, but it's all, I think it's also good that you're like, we get that this is 
you know, not how your average person goes through life. And, and right. so your average person doesn't have to cope with these kinds of things. Um, thankfully, like that is why police exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's good you address it. You know, you don't sound like a complete heart, heartless jerk. Yeah. Only a mild one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the length, we've had some comments on the length of the show, which I get. It's a long form show. Some people are into it. Some people are not. Uh, for me, I listen to many long form shows. I just listen to them like in the car, you know, in my truck for 15 minutes at a time. And it takes me a whole week to get through them. You know, I, here, here's the thing. I am, you know, so appreciative of the people that give their time, like literally give mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. their time. Yeah. To listen to the show. And I know a lot of times they're working or they're driving um, and they're doing other things. It's not like they're just sitting in a chair and listening to my show um, or listening to the to the podcast. But um, it's not lost on me that people are, you yeah. know, spending time and, you know, to listen to Diakonas, a cop's calling. And I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate the comments that I've gotten that, hey, it's too long. Mm. And you'll even listen to the episodes at one and a half or two times yeah, the speed I sometimes speed up. to just get through it. And I, here's a little plug. So my host for the podcast is is Podbean. You can actually follow me on Podbean and listen to the episodes on Podbean. And maybe what I'll do is I'll put a link to that in, in the notes of this episode. Um but you can follow me on Podbean and in there they have what they call an intelligence speed, which it actually takes out long pauses and actually speeds it up. So it'll, it'll, cool. it'll, yeah. So you can speed it up to one and a half, but then throw an intelligence speed and it'll take out any mm-hmm. gaps. And it's actually, I've, I've found it actually to be a pretty good way for me to listen because every episode I put out, I listen to again. By the time an episode goes out, the day of is probably like the third or fourth time I've listened yeah. to it because I am, obsessed with the editing process no you obsessive (laughs) i just i i'm i just want to make sure that what went out is what i actually yeah meant to go no it's good like your hard work is paying off you're you're putting out a good product from again from what we've heard (laughs) yeah but yeah it's it's good yeah so anyways um want to help people understand we don't want it to be overly overly heavy um, but at the same time, I want to help people understand, and maybe this episode will just keep it a little bit lighter and also maybe not as long to give people a little yeah. bit of a break to get caught up. I don't know. Who knows? I'm a talker. So going back to the very first episode, we heard that, hey, people wanted to hear more from you, um, and I, I can't blame them. I can't blame them at all. I'm like the cowbell of your episode. People are like, more cowbell. <laughs> that is a great snl reference right there (laughs) now did you just come up with that just right now or did you had you thought about that no i just i just thought of it oh man so intelligent sometimes this is is why i also have you on anyways so i don't know i thought it might be interesting to, to just ask you what is it like being married to a to a cop hmm that that's a very open-ended question. Well, okay. What can you give an example of how we think? How cops think. Um I would I would say one of the things probably one of the things I first noticed about you um and that has just, you know, been kind of remained true of you all through the years is how vigilant you are when out in public. 
Um, like that was a like a lot of what you did, like like having guns and care, even carrying a gun like that. You know, I wasn't I wasn't put off by any of that or surprised. Um, but I, I I do think I was a little surprised at how very vigilant you were whenever you went in a public place. Um, and like certain little things you'll do, like you don't sit with your, you know, back to a door when you're in public and you like to see the entrances, see the exits, like stuff like that, like that. I was like, wow, that's, who, what are you like doing at work? Like, who, what are you expecting to encounter? But then again, like I, sometimes we were out and about and I saw like what could happen. And yeah, so that's, I think that was, it was, it was crazy to think. To think that, well, I think it was just interesting to to see how you know your your average person is in a public place. They're they're pretty comfortable. They're pretty relaxed. They're not you know concerned for their own safety. And just because of what you were doing every day, every night, um, you know, you had to think about that. And that was something I'd never thought about before, just as a average person, as a civilian. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as, as we got on in our relationship and then marriage, like you would usually, you would actually be able to pick up on it. I, I, a lot of times I wouldn't even say anything, Yeah, but you would, I could just tell by your body language or, yeah, you would, uh, there are sometimes you'd be like, are you good? Because I knew you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just because I had seen, yeah, seen something that, that made me a little edgy, like a person acting a certain way or talking to someone a certain way. Um, or, you know, something like that. So, or interacting even with me a certain way. Right. So, um, do you have any examples of that? Of you acting a certain way? Or, or just seeing, seeing something that happened that, that you were like, wow, what in the world is going on? (laughs) So I think probably the best example I can think of, of, um, a situation where like even, at that point, we'd been married a few years um, and together, you know, what, I guess five years or so at that point, like, and, and even I was surprised at, at the reaction, the level of like amped up reaction um, was that time we were going on vacation with your family um, to that cat. I think it was like a cabin. Right. Um, just a few hours west of, of us here. Yeah. That, I think that, that's probably the, one of the craziest that I can think of. Yeah. Um, and you can probably remember some of the details and, and even tell the story better than I can. But like long story short, um, we had stopped. Um, it was probably like a three hour drive. Yeah. And we'd stopped maybe halfway um, at a sheets, uh, use the bathroom, change diaper. Our daughter was an infant and we're getting her situated uh, in the car again in her car seat. And so we're both like facing her in the car. And this guy approaches and your reaction was hysterical. Like now it's hysterical. Back then I was like, this guy is going to die. Like, I don't know why, but he's going to die because he kind of comes up and like, yeah, I definitely picked up on like, this guy's making me uncomfortable, but like your reaction was next level. So you should just unpack that. And Yeah, well, it we were... Yeah, I was caught off guard, so yeah. that was part of the problem. And then um, my reaction too, I had to kind of think through my reaction after it happened because I was like, why Why was my reaction so strong? Right. And I, I subconsciously picked up on things. Um, and I remember years ago, do you remember, and I think you, you read this book uh, called G- Gift of Fear. 
Did you I, read oh, it? I did not. Yeah, you had said I should read it. And at that point, I didn't want to read it because this was years right. ago. And I felt like I already lived my life in, a, in not not like hypervigilance, but I was already pretty like I didn't really trust anyone. So right. I was like, I don't I don't need to read that book. I already don't trust anyone. I don't remember who it was written by. But, but I remember you talking about it. But what's really interesting about this book is they were talking about uh, people who were victimized. And and unfortunately, a lot of them were women. And they interviewed him afterwards, and and they would talk about how someone they were around someone who made them feel uncomfortable, mm. but they didn't want to be rude. So like they would maybe be on an elevator, and um, someone would come onto the elevator, and they would immediately be uncomfortable. But then, but they wouldn't get off the elevator. They would just they mm. felt like that would be overtly rude or whatever. But inter- and then unfortunately, like in some of these situations or all the ones that they were interviewing these women on, they were they were victimized. And um, so they, in in interviewing these women, the women would tell that story in as much detail as possible hmm. and realize what it was like. There were little cues that happened that made them pick up on why they were uncomfortable at the time. It was subconscious and they weren't even realizing it until later on so anyways all that to say yeah i think that kind of is an elevated thing for police officers not all police officers are i mean i'm just gonna be honest there's some police officers out there that don't have a clue what's going on around them well yeah every profession right every profession but a lot of police officers have the ability to establish like baseline behavior and then when things start getting off kilter to pick up hey something's not quite right here so I have my back to the parking lot because I'm putting our daughter in the car seat. I'm strapping her in. All of a sudden, there's a dude like directly behind me. And he's like, excuse me, can I use your phone? I think he asked me to use my phone. But he had a phone in his hand. And he also had his other hand shoved into, he was wearing one of those sweatshirts with the middle Mm -hmm. whole way through pocket. And he had his other hand in that pocket. And I think he had his hood up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was like, I just said, get away from me. Like, I think, yeah. right. Isn't that what yes. I said? Yes. Yes. He wasn't even that big. He wasn't like super intimidating. Um, but he, it was just, it was just how he had approached yeah. and the, those things. Like I was, all these things were registering in my mind that I didn't want this guy anywhere near me. So right. I just I just said, get away yes, from me. Immediately. That was your and initial I also, reaction. My you know, our daughter yeah. was there and and like it was just like a right. an immediate reaction. So I just said, get away from me. And he he uh he kind of like was taken aback. Yeah, and he, then then the whole buck up thing, like he realized, you know, he kind of, you know, I don't remember what he said, but he kind of like started like puffing up and stuff. And I said and and I didn't want to get in a fight. Like, I didn't want to get in a right. fight in the middle of a parking lot in the middle of nowhere. Like, I literally had no <laughs> idea where we were. Um, So I just kind of, like, calmed my tone a little bit and just was like, dude, listen, all I need you to do is just get away from me. Like, that's all I'm away. at. Just, just, like, just get away from me. That's all I need. Um, And, uh, and he did then. He, he walked off. But, uh, yeah, like, we got in the in the in the truck and you were like what 
in the world just happened? I think I started like nervous laughing because I hadn't seen you react that strongly before. I'd seen you react, you know, to to people or situations, but yeah, like it took me aback and I felt really uncomfortable too, but it was like you were immediately like that was exactly what you said was get away from me in a very aggressive and you like step toward him and I was like what is happening right now and yeah and I you know yeah I was also afraid that you were just gonna get into it right there and uh yeah so it's it that was that was crazy like you because we had picked up on the same things but you know you had experience and training that propelled you to like next level um and yeah i mean he did leave then it was fine yeah he walked off which i was thankful for i i really didn't want to get oh, in a fight in the middle of parking lot like my you know you were there <laughs> our daughter was there i was like the last thing i want to do is get in a fight right. with this guy in the middle of the parking lot but yeah i just i didn't feel like he was up to any good i didn't feel, right you know, i don't think he was either yeah yeah but that i think that's that's probably one of the craziest things i can think of yeah and just weird stuff. I remember like, but you were on board with this one. Like we were, we, when we were set up the nursery. Oh yeah. For the kids. And huh? we were talking about where we, where to put the crib. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, I was like, I wanted to place the crib in a strategic location so that if, and in, if someone came into the house and I had to engage them, mm-hmm. that my rounds weren't like going towards the crib. That's a, that's a valid consideration. But yeah, I will say you actually were like, oh, that's a really good point. You yeah. were you were completely behind it. Well, because I had in my mind, I had the nursery set up a certain way. So initially, I was like, no, like that wrecks my whole like plan. <laughs> but yeah, then you brought up this this very valid point, and I was like, okay, you know, should that day ever come, the nursery's got to be in in a tactically sound location. <laughs> It does sound a little ridiculous it when does, you talk about it. But, you know, this is this is the life you lived. So this is yeah. how you think. Yeah, it was how I thought. Pretty ridiculous, actually. So it's all right. Luckily, I'm pretty paranoid, too. So we make a we make a good team. We're very healthy. <laughs> a very healthy couple mentally. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I, I actually, you know. We do kind of get each other pretty, pretty well. Uh, for for various reasons but it is uh yeah you've you've uh you've weathered the the crazy but i think i think we talked about that in the first episode that the fact that i had been on the job for nine ten years already when i met you yeah i think was actually a help to us yes i think so definitely because every you know your your family if i talk to your sisters or whatever like they they definitely say you you've changed but um like I, you, you had had so much time to settle into the job, settle into, um, you know, how your faith fit into the job, like all, just all of that had, had worked itself out and you were just, right. Yeah. You were yeah. very settled in life generally. And it was, it was good. It was really good for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah. God is good. Yeah. He has been extremely faithful to us. Um, yeah. I mean, even just just recently having a conversation with a a friend of mine and just talking about some stuff that, you know, we've been through together and uh, that I've been through and, um, and that you've been through and, 
yeah, it, it just, it just, uh, I think sometimes it's good to remember mm-hmm. those things because it, it helps us remember God's faithfulness to us in those, in those moments. Um, you know, and even, even tonight before we got on, just to kind of calm, calm your nerves a little bit, because I know this isn't your favorite thing to do. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, Deuteronomy 31, eight, you know, the Lord is the one that goes ahead of you Mm -hmm. and he will be with you. So he goes ahead of you and he's with you at the same time because he's God Yeah, and that you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be dismayed. And, and that, that was a huge verse for me, you know, um, I I think one of the coolest things about having kids is I was always really bad at memorizing scripture and having kids helped me realize that I need to be better at this because I need to be helping them memorize scripture it helped me memorize scripture because I worked on it with them um, together. It's been a, a family thing. And, and I also just needed it in my life. Yes. You know, in various, various times in, in my life and my career. So yeah, often at work. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really cool. Yeah. So anyways, I hope everyone's happy. They, you know, heard a little more from Lauren. You're going to hear more from her. I'm not saying you're not going to hear any more oh, from her. I thought her, I was done. <laughs> so yeah, this article. So uh, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, I, I put out on Facebook an article. I actually had seen it. I think it was it was shared by another police officer in another jurisdiction. And I saw this article, really, really liked it. It's called A Letter to the American Public, Why You Must Decide What You Want from Cops uh, by a lady named Kathleen. Oh man, I hope I don't butcher her last name. Diaz. Um, it's not Diaz. It's D I A S. Um, you even looked it up, and I now know. we both forget. I even looked up the uh, pronunciation before I got on. But I Kathleen uh, Diaz, and uh, she uh, she wrote this article. Uh, it was originally on a blog, and then it was up on Police One. But it's just so good, and I don't know. I don't know. Do you think we should read down through the whole thing or just highlight certain things? Yeah, maybe just highlight, you know, the things people can go back to Diakonos Cops Calling Facebook page and read it for themselves. We could even yeah. share it again. I shared it too. And it, it was so good. Yeah. But yeah, I think there were specific things, you know, that really jumped out at, at both of us um, that described so well what the, the tension in law enforcement is, and especially today. Right. So she starts it out. Um, She says, it's time to decide what we want from law enforcement, warriors, counselors, guardians, priests, social workers, magicians. Um, Just asking like which one of those we want. And uh, the one that stuck out to me is warriors because right now that is a huge, that's been a huge like uh, debate within Mm -hmm. law enforcement. Should, Should police officers be called warriors? Should they be considered warriors? Um, it sounds too violent. Uh, it produces an us against them type mentality. You know, should should is guardians a better term? Um, I mean, me personally, I think guardians is probably the best all encompassing term mm. because it just has a more well rounded and complete feel to it. Because as yeah. a guardian, you have to be a warrior at times, or you have to be a counselor at times. Um, you know it. 
right. think it's more all encompassing. Warrior seems more like just single faceted. But I will say this, like there's times where you need to be a warrior. I mean, we just saw that officer in Boulder, Colorado, yes. who, um, and my understanding is he, he was actually a, a, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ and had seven kids. And he, that's a warrior mindset. Like yeah. you, you're not going into that as a counselor. Right. You're not going into that even as a guardian. You're going into that as a warrior mindset where I'm the first on the scene. I'm going to go in there and try to get after it. And he did. And he probably saved the lives of, of, of many people. His, his action was definitely heroic and it definitely yes. had a warrior ma- mindset. So I don't think you, you know, again, can, can land on one of them, but that's kind of her point. She's like, do you want the cheapest cops possible or do you want the uh, best trained, best screened? I'm, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. Do you want well-equipped, uh, you know, planning for every possible thing uh, or, you know, the good old beat cop from your grandpa's hometown just with a smile and an old wheel gun on his, on his hip. And she basically says, really, we want it all. Um, we want it all and we want it all without paying for it. So did you have any, any thoughts on those, on those five or six different words yeah, used I, to describe? I think she's right. You know, I think, I think everybody has, you know, cops pegged in, in one of those specific categories probably, or a couple of them. And, and, has an idea of what, you know, they feel like law enforcement should look like and what what officers should look like. And I like I like your I like the guardians also because it also, you know, it it if you're guarding something, that thing is precious, that thing is or that someone, you know, is that community, those people, like like you're guarding them against real threats. Um I think that is that is such a apt description such a good word for it. Um, and I agree. I think it's the, the most, most all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the more you, I think maybe you should read it. It's just so good. Like as I'm reading it, <laughs> just read. I think only. it's just good. Yeah. And we could pause here and there. And, uh, she goes on to say every officer needs to be an empathetic, well-spoken seal trained ninja with double majors in psychology and social work who considers the job a calling and has no bills to pay, no nerves to fray, and enforces the law completely, objectively, while also using discretion at all times. Unless it's going to result in arresting or not arresting the wrong person in the wrong time for the wrong thing in the opinion of every member of the public. If that person existed, he wouldn't work for you. I'm like, what do you think she meant by Like, they just... I don't like, know what she meant quite by that phrase. There. I'm guessing that... You know, like you'd have to be a like trillionaire to to pay for that person. First of all, like gotcha. they're not going to work for the average person. They're not going to come work in your neighborhood. Like they're going to work for. The, Got you. Yeah, I, that's what I'm guessing. Okay. All right. Yeah. I ju- I just didn't know. If, you can't afford that. Right. You can't. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Uh, so moving on here. So we've got to deal with what exists, and what exists are humans. Uh, she writes. Humans are fallible and their bodies are frail. Their brains play tricks on them when they're under stress and then keep them from sleeping by replaying the stressor on an endless loop later, trying to find ways to fix whatever went wrong. That is also very true. Um, Your brain in high stress situation will play tricks on you. Uh, You will not 
be able to remember certain things uh, in certain incidents. You won't be able to sleep for like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been involved in incidents where, I mean, I haven't haven't slept for a long time afterwards Mm because literally all you're doing is thinking about the situation and trying to make sense of it, resolve it, I guess, in your head. Um, and you, but even in that year, you're forgetting things. I just saw a video, uh, from a police department. I don't know what police department was, but a reporter was going through, it's called fats training, firearm training simulator. Mm. And so it's like, they put up a big giant screen. You have, you know, a fake gun that's attached to a computer system. They put a scenario up on the screen where you confront people that may or may not be armed mm-hmm. or be doing whatever, and you have to make a decision. Is this a, a uh, shoot to stop the threat decision, or, or is this a shoot to stop the threat incident, or is it not? And so you have to make, so they put this reporter up to do this. And um, the very first one, uh, he confronts a trespasser. The trespasser says to the reporter, I'm going to kill you as he reaches down and picks up like a cinder block and comes over and starts, you know, beating the reporter in in the head. So that screen shows that the, that the officer is falling or the reporter who's playing the officer is falling on the screen. And, and he, he finally shoots and fires. And then when they debriefed it, this is like within seconds of hmm. the scenario ending, they debrief it. He couldn't remember what the guy said. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. He said, I, he said, the reporter said he said something um, like he's going to get me or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the officers are like, no, actually he told you he was going to kill you. He actually wow. told you what he was going to do. Um, and the, and the reporter couldn't remember what he said. That's crazy. And so that, that happens in high stress because you have auditory, uh, I think they call it exclusion, not mm-hmm. seclusion, exclusion, right. where, um, and and visual exclusion where you know you go into that tunnel vision yeah. so you're actually not hearing things you're not seeing things um you know in full vision you're like completely yeah. focused on one thing and then it's it's not uncommon to go through an incident like that and then have it take a good 48 to 72 hours mm-hmm. before you fully remember exactly wow. what happened um, completely. So if they debrief you right away, you're not going to get an accurate picture possibly right. of. And what? so this is, yeah. And yeah. this has been a big thing in law enforcement, you know, an officer is involved in an officer involved shooting. Right. Uh, the big, a lot of police departments now don't interview the officer right away hmm, because good. they, they found that the officer is actually not able to completely remember hmm. what happened in that time frame. They need good what are they called? REM sleep. Yeah. REM sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for the brain to actually like repair wow. itself and, 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 uh, remember things correctly. So, that's um, wild. yeah, it, it does happen. That is not outside the realm of possibility. And, you know, of course we see that happen and then, you know, people and the press want to jump on that and be like, the officer's trying to hide right. something. They didn't, they didn't say this in yeah. their original statement, but then they said it later on. Well, it, it's possible that the officer literally did not remember it happening. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's happened to me where I gave a statement about something. Yeah. And then, you know, 48 hours later or longer. Right. As I was thinking about it, I was like, no, that's that actually isn't how it happened. 
and I had to go back and change my statement. So right. you can see how that yeah. would be a, become a problem. But it's science. Follow the science, people. Yeah, for all you people screaming about science, follow <laughs> it. Science is good. Uh, um, so she goes on to say, uh, humans come in varieties, not exactly like dog breeds, but close enough that the analogy works. If you need a bite dog, you don't start with a golden retriever. Possibly you can teach the golden re- the golden to bite on command if you're persistent enough and mean enough, but in the process, you'll ruin everything that made him a golden to begin with. You had a golden retriever, Lauren. Oh, my, my grandparents did at one point, but yeah, yeah, I, I, that was, I loved that dog so much, but this, I love this analogy um, so much because it's, I think it's just such a good way, such a simple way, easy way. People love dogs and people buy certain dogs for certain reasons. So I think it's just such a good explanation um, because it does. It does kind of carry over into people. You know, there are there are people that are equipped just naturally. They are they're warriors deep down. There are people that are not that are empathetic. They should be, you know, nurses and school teachers and like this this is a good thing. This this makes for a complete society, a, a a whole community where you have people that can fulfill all these different roles. I thought this was just such a good Yeah. Such a good description. And I would say like going back to that whole warrior guardian thing, guardian thing, I definitely think you want your police officers to be closer to warrior. Yeah. Than most of the department. Social worker or counselor. Like you you Yeah. Because here's the thing, you need them to be able to switch in that. And if they're a righteous warrior, they're only going to tap into that when they need to. Um, they might not be the nicest people you're around, and we'll talk about that a little right. later down. They might not be uh, the most um, well-adjusted right. <laughs> people, but if they're a righteous warrior and, and in law enforcement... They they have the ability to use that and tap into that when they need to, and have the ability to be extremely empathetic and sympathetic to to people when they need to be. Um, so, going back now to the golden retriever, what I'm not a dog person. <laughs> you know this. I you know our kids are asking for a dog. Oh. I, I don't know. I know. I'm gonna be a big mean dad. I I'm not a dog person. I know golden retrievers are nice, but mm-hmm. aren't they? Like, They're the, like the nicest of the nice. Like, you know, if someone, if we had one and someone broke in to murder us, the golden would lick it while it was murdering us. Like it would just be like, <laughs> people and just love me, want me, hold me. Like they're, they're just the sweetest like they're they're great like they're a great great family dog but it's it's not a it's not a guard dog it's not a watchdog like it's a you must be here to love me kind of a dog like no matter who comes to your house i think that's a yeah so obviously you don't want a golden retriever showing up at your if you really 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 need help you do not want a golden retriever to show up I, I think well, maybe if you're drowning, I, I was told by my, my pop at one point that if I, if I was ever drowning, the, the, the golden would come get me out of the water. But I think in any other situation, yeah, don't, you might not, you well, might then not that, want help. That golden retriever is doing better than me because I can't, <laughs> I can't save someone who's drowning. Nope. You can't. I'm a terrible swimmer. Actually, Lauren just gave me the look. I can't swim. 
It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> That's a story for another day. We got to stay on task here. But yeah. There's a good story there. Yeah. Stay tuned. People. I almost drowned on our one year anniversary. I guess now I got to come back at some point and tell the story. Yes. Uh, it worked out perfectly. Sure I didn't have that in my notes here, but you know, I, I worked it in to get you back on. Um, all right. So golden retriever, bad for a police officer. She goes on to say, now translate that back to people. Warriors, soldiers, great war generals like Patton may live for the fight, but they don't always play well with others after the battle. They can be harsh. They can use bad language in settings where you wish they were polite. They find humor in ugly, dark places that just frighten the rest of society. They're not always nice. And I think, man, that is so true. I can't tell you how many times I've been with cops in a public place and I'm like, we probably should not be here together in this atmosphere because, uh, you know, you know, guys are, you know, just, yeah, like we're, we're, we're not exactly what you would call polite company. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, but it, back to your point of, you know, you wouldn't want a whole, you don't want an entire, uh, police force made up of, you know, a golden retriever or a. A, a very empathetic, a very, you know, empathy minded uh, people because like what then what happens when like the world is filled with evil? It's filled with people who hurt each other and do horrible, senseless things. Right. And so what what do you do? How does a community survive if all you have is empathy minded, you know, mercy minded, meek, calm um, you know, people like filling up a whole department, like you, I think you need some of those people. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right. Like this, this world, this side of heaven will always be sin soaked. And so you are always going to need people that can stand in the gap between the evil and, and the innocent. And I think she just, she goes on to describe that so well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I always said too, like police officers, a good police officer should not be a violent person. Right. But they should be, be capable of unspeakable violence. Against evil. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) that's why I'm here, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Just to clarify. But yeah, they shouldn't be violent people. They shouldn't be people prone to violence, but they should be able Able. to tap into something like just a level of of violence that most people uh, are either not comfortable with right. or have never experienced on their own. See, I think a lot of people, like when pushed, I don't want to say a lot of people, I think some people when pushed to that like animalistic, like I need to protect myself or right. protect people I love can go there. Yeah. I just think police officers get there a lot faster and more often than other people. Yeah. And do you think that, I mean, I think that, you know, the the way that we live in a modern world um, plays into that. Like it, you used to have to be violent to some extent just to live and survive. You know, you had to kill food. You had to, you know, put down a horse if it, you know, broke a leg. Like we don't ever... We don't, we don't even see where our food comes from. Like, I, I think, you know, we are so removed, most people in day-to-day life, from any type of violence, except for media, television, stuff like that. Right. But like actual, we don't ever have to get our hands dirty. We don't ever have to, you know, be violent, ever. 
So then I think it's it's more shocking and it's harder to get there then should you need to. Um, I, I think that's just part, maybe part of the problem right now with the way society views, you know, correct use of force by police officers. I think that was a really good point. We were talking about that the other uh, day. I think we were watching a television show or something. And you were talking about that, how generally speaking in our culture, you know, we don't have, we're not in touch with that violence, but flesh out what you said there at the, at the end about. Um, Yeah, I think like, like I think about like pioneers or, you know, people that, that would have had to, you know, go kill their food like they would have had or raise their food and then, you know, kill it like you you had to butcher your own animals. And, um, you know, you might have and, and, and like the, the West, the early, you know, West, like it was before there was established like law enforcement, like you had to protect yourself against, you know, anyone that was going to try to rob from you or. Right. You know, anyone that was violent, like you, you, your survival was in your own hands and people were accustomed, most people to some level of violence just to survive. Just, you know, just, it was, it was just part of daily life. Like, so I, yeah, like we don't, we don't live like that anymore, like at all, which I'm thankful for. Like, I'm glad I don't have to go butcher my own hog. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. But I I think it makes it harder than, you know, for the police who like there there is there's still an a need at times for righteous violence as you called it. Like I think those were your words. Like yeah. to, you know, a, a, against evil, against those who hurt other people, who break the law, um who try to hurt you. And I think it's just it doesn't fit into our neat little, you know, civilized culture. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think it's just hard to wrap our minds around. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. Right. It's, it's not just a part of life. So, yeah, I don't know if that plays into it yeah, or not, kind of, but I'm guessing it does in some way. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe we're we're a little wimpier yeah, than we used to be. I think we are. Like if you watch if you watch movies about the old west and people that were moving west or you read you read you some read? like actual right journals like, you read to, yeah it's crazy it was no joke i no. mean you were fighting wild animals yeah. and then yeah you had you had your bandits and your robbers yeah. and um you know i'm not going to get into a political thing right now about <laughs> you know the native americans the american indians but um right wait did i say the right term i i can't even keep track of what i'm supposed to say I think anymore. native american is still native correct. american okay I think so so you know but you had that that conflict too yeah there was just there was conflict everywhere there was there was violence everywhere right or it was just more common right yeah i man i think that's a really i think it's a great point i think it's a great point so anyways she yeah she said there at the end they're not always nice it reminded me of it of a study uh, back in the early 90s, and I looked at looked it up, um, and I found this article, Behavioral Descriptors for Victim Officers. Uh, this was first uh, worked on in 1992 in a landmark study, uh, Killed in the Line of Duty, uh, by a research team of Dr. Anthony Pinazzotto, Edward Davis, and Charles Miller the thir- third. And basically what they did is they, they used interviews with uh, 
offenders, suspects, criminals, interviews with fellow officers and supervisors on, on this officer's department and tried to gate, like officers who had been uh, killed in the line of duty. Uh, they called, they, mm. they, they would talk to the suspect that killed them. Wow. They would talk to uh, officers that worked with that officer, supervisors, and they developed like five attributes or five, five like descriptors, hmm. behavioral descriptors of officers that were likely to be assaulted and wow. or killed. So the very first one, friendly. That was one of the first things people said about the officer. They were friendly. And basically what they, what they meant by that, that officer was quick to grant uh, dangerous favors or accommodations hmm. to, to people. Um, just, just friendly, you know? Yeah. Um, service oriented. Uh, tends to perceive self as more public relations than law enforcement. Hesitant about using force. Tended to use less force than ob- other officers felt they would use in a similar circumstance or peers, the other officers, would have used force at an earlier point in similar circumstances. Um, and just a quick sidebar that the police are allowed to use preemptive force. We don't have to wait. Yeah. So we're getting that crap kicked out of us to do anything. Like right. we're actually most departments, actually, I don't know of any department where we're actually allowed to use one level of force higher than what's being used against us. Right. Because the suspect is the one driving that action and they are the one making personal decisions to do it. And the police are, are tasked with, are hired uh, to stop that. Right, right. You know, we can go one level Yeah, higher. you're supposed to stop the threat and you have, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think um, the use of force, I think, you know, it, it seems like anytime police use any amount of, of legal force, it just, it, it automatically gets branded as brutality. And Again, I think, sure that goes, a, I think that goes back to your earlier point about people are uncomfortable with it. Right. People don't have to use force in their normal, just people don't have to survive in that way. So to see someone else having to survive in that way or do their job in that way and yeah, and, and follow, you know, follow the law, follow policy, follow procedure, but that involves force, um, is, is super uncomfortable. I think for, for most people. Yeah. I I think it is. And it also, it doesn't look nice. It doesn't. It's not a pretty job. Right. That's but that's why we have police. It's because there's lots of very, very not pretty things that happen and not yeah, it has to it still has to be dealt with. But here's the thing that I don't quite understand. Like people will watch the most violent movies and be okay with it. Is it just this they understand that what I'm seeing here is not real and then when they actually see something violent for real, it turns their stomach? What do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I guess, I guess it's, you know, it's an understanding that it, this isn't reality. This, this is reality. And, and is it okay? I get, I, I guess you don't want people to see something actual violence, like real right. violence and be like, oh, that's awesome. Then, then you've got ancient then you, Rome, right? Where you got like sociopaths yeah. walking around. Right. Yeah. Where you have, yeah. Yeah. So, but either way, I think when they see it for real, 
when people see it for real, it, it, it does, it's not nice. It doesn't right. look nice. People are saying bad words during it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to watch. And it's all, it's, it's, it's like people are trying to survive, you right. know? Right. Um, and, and you're there because of someone else's decisions. Like you, you, you showed up, the police showed up on that scene because of someone else's bad decisions. And, and so you, you, you didn't show up and create that problem. And I think that's always something that gets forgotten too. Like yeah. it, it is reactionary, but, but then you have a force, uh, you have a duty to stop that threat. Right. And I think, I, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any, any use of force, any, anything that the press has really blown up recently. Um, I think you'd be hard pressed for someone to show an incident where police use force on someone who was literally doing nothing wrong. Yeah. I can't think of, of one either. Yeah. I think the closest one probably is the Philando Castile mm. uh, case. Um, that was like a summary traffic violation and that, and that tragedy that happened with, with that officer yes. shooting, shooting him. But at the same time, I can break that down and, and I don't believe that that officer had murderous intentions. Right. I believe he, legitimately thought that right. there was a threat presenting uh itself to him but again i think that's the closest just because it was such a minor violation now he right. also thought that that car uh, matched the description of a car that was involved in a robbery mm. yeah. uh, when he stopped it so all i think those things are going through the officer's mind and all, so yeah. all that it came into a perfect storm with right. probably some miscommunication and then you know a tragedy right yeah but so so sad but other than that like i can't think of another case where, you know, an officer just, he's just walking down the street and all right. of a sudden he just tried, starts assaulting someone. Right. It's just, he, he, you know, he's like, Hey, that guy over there, you know, I'm going to assault right. him. Um, you, you know, that, that action is being brought on by someone making right. poor criminal, uh, sinful decisions. So, uh, the fourth one was given to shortcutting. The officer is given to shortcutting officers, you know, a descriptor of officers who are, who are killed, given to shortcutting, failed to follow established procedures. I think this kind of goes back to friendly, you know, allowing people to do things that, you know, shouldn't be allowed, uh, especially in regard to arrest, traffic stops, and waiting for backup when it was available. When I was a supervisor, this one drove me crazy. I, If, if I had a guy who was like calling off backup, uh, like they'd pull a car stop. Someone would say, I'm going to route to cover. And the officer would say, I'm ten four. I mean, I'm okay. I don't need anything. I, I would, I would, no, don't do that. You don't even know. You didn't. Mm. E you haven't even gone up to the car yet. Yeah. How do you know you're okay? Are you base? What are you basing that on? You're basing that on that it's a woman in the car. Are you basing it on the age of the driver? Like, right. how how do you know? You haven't even checked them for warrants. You haven't even gotten the license plate yet back to know what's going on with the car. So I would, I would get on guys. And let me just say this real quick. If you're a supervisor and your people are doing stuff like that and you don't do something about it, shame on you. There are certain things as a supervisor you may be able to overlook, but when it comes to tactics and keeping your people safe, that is definitely the time where you need to step in and say, don't do that or keep doing that. That, that for me, that was if I, it's easy to be lazy as a supervisor, very easy. Um, but 
you know, I always, if I saw someone doing something that was unsafe, that could hurt them, I always tried to confront it. It's not comfortable telling okay. people don't do that. But like, yeah, it's because you care. You, you want them to be all right. Yeah. So you if you're a supervisor, yeah, yeah, if you're a supervisor and you see your people doing stuff that's unsafe and you don't confront it and you don't deal with it, I got, I got a problem with that. I got, I got a big problem with it. All right. I'm moving on. Number five, behavioral um, descriptor of a victim officer. Trusting of perceptual shorthand. Basically relying heavily on perceived ability to read people. Commonly optimist who looks for good in others. Uh, didn't keep an on-guard mindset, especially if uh, he or she sensed rapport or had passed okay dealings with the subject. That's another one that, for me, like all these types of things, I tried to stay away from in in my career, um, because yeah, you you begin, you wanna you wanna believe the best in people, but unfortunately, there are people out there that wish to do you harm, uh, or other people harm. All right, so she goes on to say, if you want only a cuddly, soft, empathetic officer whose first response is always a soft answer and compassion, you can have that. Um, she'll never embarrass her chief at Coffee with a Cop. He'll present well on camera every time and remind you of someone's grandfather. He'll be the perfect SRO and until there's an active shooter at your kid's school. Suddenly, society insists on the warrior. They want the crack-driven demon, and it's the name of a dog. How do, how do you say it? Malinois. You got it. I'm pretty sure that's right. We had to look that one up too. <laughs> we don't speak French or we whatever that is. <laughs> but they want a, they want the crack-driven demon Malinois, 55 pounds of rawhide, spring steel, and gator teeth, uh, driving into the gunfire and doing anything it takes, anything, to keep the children safe. And once the threat is gone, society wants that Malinois to morph back into the therapy dog. Hmm. They want the warrior gone, the council returned, the off-switch thrown. That's not how it works, and it's not fair. I tell you now, the unicorn doesn't exist. Oh, man, our daughter would be so disappointed. No. The unicorn doesn't exist. Uh, you can't have it. What you can have is a human. If you recruit well, background thoroughly, and then and train constantly, you can have a human with a kind heart, and good ethics, who is willing to fight hard, be uncomfortable, even get hurt for you. You can have a human who tries. You can have someone who struggles, who sometimes fails, who gets better with time and experience, and who has setbacks. You can't have perfection. Uh, in fact, you can break perfectly good humans by insisting they be something they can't be. Things no one can be. Decide now. That as long as cops get recruited from the human race, they're going to be exactly human with everything that means. The rest of society is also human after all. Maybe it's time we decide what we want from the rest of us too. I like that last line because mm. she kind of is like driving home the point. We're all have a level of personal responsibility, something that's lacking in our culture, I think. Yes. And I think something that, you know, we we have problems in, in any community and they might look a little bit different depending on what community you're in, but every 
every community, every society, every group of people has issues. They're always, and, and some of them are the same across the board um, because people are people and people sin against each other. And they, right. they always will until Jesus comes back. But yes, that, that kind of flips, you know, flips the focus back to what is the community doing, you know, to help itself? Like, are we trying to understand cops? Like, yeah, cops, cops, I think you're right, could do a better job, you know, trying to maybe talk about what they do and why they do to, to some extent. Uh, we can't give it all away, obviously, but... But what what is the society doing? Like cops come into a situation that they did not create and that they cannot ultimately resolve. They can only deal with whatever that threat is. It's, it's the community's job. It's it's church's job. It's parents' job to try to fix what's broken. You know, and and by the grace of God, we we can sometimes like we can make progress. We can do better. Right. And I think that's that I think that's the conversation. I think that's why I get so upset with like these social justice movements. Like what's the end goal? Like where wh- when when are you satisfied? And mm. we've seen, you know, they aren't satisfied. No. She she says it. Like we want it all and it doesn't exist. Right. We we can't have it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it drives home the point to that, and you, you mentioned it too, like, we have a culture problem. It's called sin. Yeah. Like, and it touches everybody. It touches everybody. Every, every, every single person. Every culture. Right. It's everywhere. Yeah. And, and um, so, you know, we can, we can throw these platitudes at it. We can, you know, have all these movements and we can try to do these things. But ultimately, the only the only thing that solves the problem is Jesus. Yeah, that that that's literally the only thing that solves it. And and um, you can you can do. I think one of the things that just really bothers me about all these movements and all these like uh, social justice movements, like Black Lives Matter, and and all these, you know, I'm I'm I'll make no bones about it. Black Lives Matter is a if if you really dive into their history and who they are, they're a satanic hate group. That is what they are. They believe in conjuring up spirits. They they're they're yeah, crazy. Some crazy stuff. And 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 when you look at when you look at their um homepage that they have since taken down because they started getting flack about it, talking about stuff like um not not we're against or we don't agree with the nuclear family. No, we're going to dismantle yeah, the nuclear family. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. You know, um it is it is crazy. It is some crazy stuff. It's it's stuff that, you know, believers can't can't get behind because it's it doesn't it doesn't mesh, it doesn't even agree on any level with with biblical teaching. Right. And I think that's what was so difficult uh, during 2020 when we had all the riots and stuff and I had, you know, friends and family like hashtagging BLM and I, and people are like, well, I I wasn't hashtagging for the group. I was hashtagging the phrase. The problem is the phrase has been hijacked. Um, brilliantly hijacked. I will say if, if you can name your, your organization, something that 
no one can be against. Everyone agrees with. Yeah. yeah, No one's going to disagree with the fact that black lives matter. Of course, black lives matter. Yes. Um, But when you hashtag that you, whether you want to be or not, you are aligning yourself with a, a um, terrible satanic organization. That is a hate group. They hate the police. They, they, their owners are, are will outright have outright said they're Marxist there. If you, if you do your research, they talk about the whole say, say their name thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've read articles about that. I, I, I heard one of them, one of the, the founders uh, give an interview about it and what, what they're actually doing. And it is, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, the whole, you know, say their name thing that that's like conjuring up, like, and getting them in contact with the spirits yeah. of people who have died and stuff. Um, again, I'm kind of going off the rails here a little bit, but, and we could do a whole, whole episode on it, but, and maybe we should, but uh, I should bring someone in that's a lot more knowledgeable about BLM than I am. But the, the main thing with a lot of these organizations is, um, you know, there's no, there's no hope right. in there. It's, it's just like this ongoing, um, drumbeat to make change and, and, and basically promoting themselves to the level of of little gods like we can we can make this happen hmm. no you will not make it happen only god can make it happen only god can stop this because it it's sin like you will never be able to eradicate sin right. from society and if you think you can then you are promoting yourself um to god yeah. um and and so yeah yeah the bible speaks a better word, the, uh, the Bible speaks every word that we need for life and godliness and, and how to live together in, in community and, and find for believers to find unity with each other. Like the, right. the Bible is where, where we need to go. Right. Yep. To, to understand each other, to love each other. Yeah. And it, and it all, it all focuses on and comes around, um, Jesus and what he's done for us as, right. as believers. And, uh, this the, just this week, I was reading in Hebrews, Hebrews one three, and it says, "And He, uh, Jesus, is the radiance of His glory, God's glory, and the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power." When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. So basically, when He, Jesus, had made purification of sin. Um, by dying on the cross for our sins, like we are all sinners. Romans three yeah. twenty three says that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three says that the wages of those sin is death. And so people are like, well, what what is justice? Like, what is justice? Well, mm. as a believer, as a Christian, biblical justice is this: it's getting what you deserve, yeah, which is death. Yes. And it starts it starts with. Like when, when someone says, well, what is biblical justice? To me, again, I'm a simple guy. It is this. It's, it starts with God's wrath. It ends with your death and my death because that's what we deserve. Right. The only thing we deserve is death because we are sinful beings. And when we appear before God, the only thing we're going to be able to plead is the blood of Jesus. As believers, understanding that Jesus being fully God and fully man came to the earth, lived a perfect life and was the perfect sacrifice for our sins when he died on the cross and then rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. And now he's at the right hand of the father. That's what Hebrews 1, 3 is saying, um, that he 
you know, pure, he purified sin. Like that's, that's incredible. Like he took my sin away. Um, as a person, I deserve God's wrath, but God right. provided his son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. And that is, that is the hope. That's the one main thing I want to get through in this podcast. And I know I have people, like I have guys on who aren't believers. They don't believe this. That's fine. Um, but that's the one thing that, like if I do anything else on this podcast, mm. yep. um, it's just like, it's worthless if I don't provide any level of hope. And um, so the article, awesome article. So good. Um, because I felt like she really got after and put words to something that both uh, you and I have felt, Lauren. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I shared it and, I, and I'm hoping that um, just kind of breaking it down there a little more is, is helpful to people. So next week's episode, Detective Ryan Hockley is on the pod, as Gary calls it. <laughs> Gary Lowe likes to call it the pod. Uh, Ryan Hockley, Detective Ryan Hockley is on the pod. Um, I can't wait for his episode. It's really good. It's, it's really good. Um, and, and, uh, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool stories in there and stuff. It's good. It's good. It's real. It's raw. I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's what you're trying um, to do. Yeah. So, um, he, uh, he, uh, he gets after it. So I'm, I'm excited to have him on. Listen, if you want to kick up the dust on behalf of Diakonos, please give us an honest five-star rating and write a review for us uh, if your podcast platform allows you to. It, it helps us get pushed to other people. That's ultimately what it does. You help me out by doing it. Uh, share the podcast with friends and family and follow the Diakonos at Cops Calling Facebook page or look me up on Twitter at mtonyw. Uh, for those of you who give Diakonos at Cops Calling your time and ear, Thank you. I really appreciate it. For those of you in law enforcement, kick up the dust in pursuit of the lawbreakers. Do it. Don't ever stop. I appreciate what you do. 